This is the one with basic physics. A mission out of control. Actually, Victorian attitudes. <laughs> Noisy males. And sweet Fanny Adams, that's what? <laughs> it's called Empress of Mars. <laughs> Here we go. Here we, Here we go. go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Dalek, Cyber, Zood, and Wow! Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Echo Center with Ticker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? What? Ho, dearest podcast land, and welcome to yet another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, oh podcast. Sweet Fanny Adams, isn't it just? <laughs> uh, it is, in answer to that question. Who are we? Let's start with that. I am Leon, but I am but a third of the crew today because I have the esteemed pleasure of gazing across the ether, across the internet, at two lovely co-hosts. First of all, we have Marie. Hello, Marie, in Berlin. Why, hello, it's me, I'm Marie and I'm in Berlin. <laughs> Next to Marie on my screen, we have Drew. Hello, Drew. Hello, it's me, noisy male for hire. <laughs> <laughs> what are your rates? Um, it depends, I, I charge per decibel. Excellent, fantastic. <laughs> Today, <laughs> we are discussing Empress of Mars, N140, and thus the fifth last episode featuring Capaldi as the 12th Doctor <gasps> of his run. Who knows? Maybe he'll return for a special. Yeah, all right. Let's not add an extra countdown. <laughs> <laughs> Before we jump into a bicep chunk of who to summarize this for everyone in podcast land who may or may not have seen this, high level. How do you feel about it? Like it? Dislike it? Take it or leave it? Love it. Incredibly passionate about it. Want to marry it. Shag it? Avoid it. Censored. Yeah, exactly. That's when you shag it. <laughs> okay. Ambivalent? No, no, I, was, I, was, I thought Marie was certainly going to turn and be like, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a lot of thoughts, actually. Fantastic. Yeah. I have thoughts that usually when it's really a bit cheesy and crap, I really hate them. But for some reason this time, I just, I just bloody loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Are we to deduce from that you think that this is a cheesy and crap episode in brackets yes. that you really like? Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Drew? But mature cheese and zesty crap. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's exactly how I like my crap. <laughs> zesty crap. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it's brilliant, but I can't quite figure out where I'm going to land on it. So mm -hmm. I'm, I need you two guys to enlighten me as we go. Leon, in our review of Cold War, yeah. you remembered this being a good episode yeah. as Ooh. well. Yeah, yeah. Do you still feel that way? That's a lovely question. Well done for remembering that I remembered that back then, because I did not remember <laughs> that I remembered that. Um, I don't know if I'm quite as enthused about this episode now as I believe my past self remembered the even more past self to have been, but do still find it very enjoyable. Like, I think I'm probably in line with you on this one, Marie. It's a really kitsch episode, mm. but it's that kind of nice kitsch. I'm certainly in the top half of points, shall we say that at least, mm. without giving too much away. Are you always Anywho. in the top half of points? <laughs> 
Always? Oh, are you really always? I feel like there are a few episodes. He wasn't episodes. for sleep no more. Yeah, I feel like there are a few episodes, Marie, where you were not that enthusiastic. No, not me, you. Oh, right. Oh, like, really? Always, Marie? I feel like there are a few episodes where I was not that enthusiastic. I'll use one of those. <laughs> I'll <Okay>. use both. <laughs> At least Drew as well. Drew's always in the top half of episodes. Always, Marie? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Should we get into a B-scale? Let's do that. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview, this free-for-all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. Thank goodness the people over at NASA are running such a lackadaisical operation, or the marvellous 12th Doctor, Bill Potts, and divisive additional companion Nardole might not have snuck into the control room just in time for a countdown to a message on the surface of Mars, reading God Save the Queen. Where did the message come from, though, one wonders? Were there English chaps on other planets in Victorian times? Is that the Queen they're referring to? And does anyone actually know the difference in meaning between Queen and Empress? Only one way to find out. Thus, back in time and off to the Red Planet, our intrepid trio plops, only to discover a battalion of uniformed, uninformed Victorian English soldiers and their ice warrior butler, mining for elusive Martian gemstones and chowing down on a seemingly endless supply of tea and cake. <laughs> but who knows? Pretty soon they might stumble upon a titular character. And beef however. You are well- Welcome, old love. (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you just? (laughs) Where would you like to start? Well, I feel like I need to take issue with some of the writing in this B-scow. A lackadaisical operation. How do you propose that the people at NASA keep out a vehicle that can travel through time and space without confinement. Well, there seems to be very little in the way of security at NASA. This episode starts in, I'm sure, your favorite way, Drew, because it starts with a countdown, meaning everyone's focused on the results, the the, the conclusion of that countdown. Suddenly, three people without ID badges, without clearance, are in the room, and no one cares, not about them, nor about the result of the countdown. Like, I feel like that's maybe a slightly <laughs> slapdash operation they're running at the, over, over there at NASA. No wonder they went bust. <laughs> See, I thought you were calling them lackadaisical because he gives them the psychic paper that says he's the chief. And what should happen is immediately a marching band should come out from somewhere, anywhere, descend from the ceiling, going, hey, to the chief, throwing donuts at him, firing guns through the holes in the donuts, throwing That's what America. That's what America does, right? Absolutely. This is a big event. This is one of NASA's red-letter days. Right. Okay, I maintain what I said. I think this is slapdash. I don't think NASA's doing a good job. They could be doing better. But it's slapdash in the service of being light-hearted, right? Yes. We're setting the tone. This is a fun episode. Mm. This is going to be a romp, apparently. Oh, absolutely. Agreement across the board? Are we all enjoying the episode so far? Loving it. Bill pops up out of nowhere and she's like, Hey, who's <laughs> that? Is that? That's the guy that landed on the moon. And then our doll's over in the other corner doing something. And it's, yeah, it's very charming. You, oh, yeah, she's human. That's, that's embarrassing. That's interesting. Do you know what my, my <laughs> instant thought was when they were there? It was just rude. Because, <laughs> I mean, these NASA yeah. people, they're doing a job. 
And uh, <laughs> shortly, <laughs> I know that Bill's been around space and time at this point. I, I know that she's maybe less impressed by stuff that happens in present day, on present day Earth, in fact. But still, these NASA dudes and dudettes, they're, you know, they're in the middle of something big. Yeah, if it was 10 seconds to lunchtime and Bill had the little chip shovel ready to (laughs) throw the stuff onto the plates and then Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and is it Michael Collins? Neil Armstrong shows up in the canteen (laughs) next to a mural of a potato. (laughs) Neil Armstrong (laughs) points at the potato. (laughs) Is this King Edward? <laughs> oh, is that his wife, Maris Piper? <laughs> yeah, she would probably think, uh, rude. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know what? He abdicated. He vacated the throne so he could marry Maris Piper. It's the most beautiful love story of our age. The first five minutes are definitely the best, in my opinion. Mm. At the whole show? I would say so. And that's despite the, those first five minutes, including a countdown. Well, yeah, because you know what? It tells us that actually countdowns aren't the be-all and end-all. A lot of countdowns are just for show. And you can wait for the data to come in. And you don't need to be hanging on there every tick of the clock. Anyone in podcast land who is new to this show, please observe, Drew hates countdowns. He oh, is very much famous so. for hating countdowns. Infamous, even. It'll go on my gravestone. <laughs> One countdown too many. That's what I'm putting on my gravestone. It's all been counting down to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It puts countdowns in their place. Okay. The important thing is the interpersonal relationships between the figures in the room. It's about human contact, damn it, and alien contact, indeed. I feel... But okay, you, you know like... what? I think we need to have a... Oh, sorry, Marie, go for it. But did you not like the doctor um, says... He has a line, he says, sorry, I could never resist... I never could resist a countdown he acknowledges the countdown yeah that's right very knowing nice well one, done Mark Gatiss. Yeah. nice wink <laughs> nice scriptural wink that's mark gate is clearly writing directly to you drew that's yeah exactly he's been listening <laughs> <laughs> i know what you said about uh, every other doctor who episode we've ever recorded <laughs> all right anything else Uh, Any other points that you want to... Any other directions that you want to take this in? Well, I would say about the the cold open, the opening pan is definitely the vehicle assembly building at the Kennedy Space Center because I looked it up on Google Earth and all the water around it matches. So someone really did fly around it and they got permission if they needed it. I bet you that is stock footage that you can buy. Oh, is that right? Mm, I'm I'm assuming. Yeah. I was going to contrast that then with how... Basically, Mission Control is really obviously just the Welsh University Lecture Theatre that happens to be shaped the most like the set from Apollo 13. (laughs) Because it's absolutely a lecture theatre. Yes, definitely. I also think what really gives away the fact that any set that is meant to depict NASA is not in fact NASA is when it says NASA on the wall. Like when someone has just put front and centre a sign that says NASA, ideally next to a picture of space. Like, right, yeah. Yeah, no, we get it. That's it. That's not what it is. <laughs> no, what what happens is when a, a mission lands successfully on an exoplanetary surface or whatever, they get so wasted, so legendarily drunk that years of their labors they need have to come be to reminded fruition. where they work. Yeah, all right. They gotcha. actually forget who they are and where they work. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to end by saying Capaldi's yeah. smile when he encounters something utterly impossible, and the camera just dwells on him 
just relishing this new mystery. I thought it was a really nice callback to why he said he likes Bill earlier ah, in the series. Right, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's a very nice observation, yeah. yeah. I also liked um, that Bill, when someone asks who they are, um, Bill answers friendly aliens. Um, and I quite like that because that's what the Doctor is. And she's just decided that she's going to be one of, like, she's not an alien, but she's friendly enough. Yeah, she, I, th- I feel like Bill at this point is an honorary alien, just like any companion <laughs> whom we've taken a liking to. Yeah. Honorary Gallifreyan, if nothing else. Yeah. Just sort of taking a step back a little bit, but don't you feel like this episode might have been called Queen of Mars instead? Because she is the queen. Rather than re- Empress of Mars. She, do they so, refer to her as the Empress or the Queen? They do call her the Queen. Two different things, right? Because she is mm. referred to as both. The episode is called Empress of Mars, but... At the end of that countdown, we get to see the surface of Mars with through the new telescopic lens or what have you. And it says, God save the queen. And I feel like if she had been the queen of Mars, there could have been an extra level of ambiguity to that statement. Which queen? You know, God save which queen? Well, yeah, you're designed to think in the beginning that it's like Queen Victoria. But by the end, we know that it's not. It is her. But why? But by then, they've changed her to Empress of Mars. And the but... episode is called Empress of Mars. But why? Why have they done that? Exactly. Exactly, that's my question. Queen Victoria <laughs> was Empress of India, Ooh. and the British Empire mm. is, you know, what is what the soldiers think is being expanded by their colonizing Mars, and also the Ice Queen. What's her empire? It's a cavernous hall. Maybe they just they didn't have pods. enough rocks to spell out Empress. <laughs> Your Queen is shorter. <laughs> There is that, yeah. I, I think in, in reference to what you just said, Drew, about what, what is her empire, just a, a cave, that's just because she slept too long. The planet is now the red planet and it's dead on the surface, but it isn't the idea that had they not slept through the, their alarm, then <laughs> they would have uh, awoken to a lush, perfect, uh, you know, uh, more vivacious world than the one that they did arrive yeah, before so that, everything this, turned into... Is this why she loses her Empress title? Because she shit. was the Empress. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, now it's gone to shit. You can't be Empress of Sand, so now she's only a queen. Yeah, she's uh, the Empress of Less Than Dust. <laughs> I like Empress of Sand. The, that's a song title and a half. The, the, uh, uh, I wonder if we ever find out what kind of world Mars used to be. I mean, it's possible that we find out in later Classic Who, and we just haven't gotten to that point yet on Who Back When, but... Yeah, well, that was going to be my question, is whether, like, they obviously wanted to call her a queen because of the God Save the Queen thing, so is Empress just a reference back to a classic episode, and they had to call her both to to tie it in or is this the first time you're meeting her this is the first time that we've met her her uniform is very similar her helmet is very similar to the uh, the ice warrior leaders that we have met or commanders that we have met in in prior classic who like in the very very first ones uh, mm. there, there was someone in the monster of peladon and uh, curse of peladon episodes who was in an ice warrior and had that same kind of more, like pointier more bellendy helmet <laughs> Uh, but um, I was expecting that. <laughs> Have we ever met a female ice warrior before? Not. That's a very good question. I don't think so. I mean, it's possible that, that was, we that we that, that, that might be later. Classic you. Oh, sorry, Marie. No, I was going to ask the same question, and Drew beat me to it. Curse you, Drew. <laughs> it's a well, very you didn't good raise your hand. 
<laughs> it's Rookie a very mistake. good question. I I don't think that we have. We certainly haven't in the classic Who serials that we've reviewed on on this show yet. But it's because possible that, that we will later on. That was going to be my question is because she talks to bill in a way that like me and you come from these like patriarchal societies where we're like strong independent women on our own and we've got to like you know support each other and i was just like how why why how is why is her society identical why does she know about noisy males and like all of the tropes of like the british army and now in her army as well and she's just like solitary female leader yeah see this is the kind of world building that someone like j michael straczynski might be able to lend to the ice warriors (laughs) just saying bbc just saying but okay. <laughs> uh, as far as I'm aware, in Classic Who, we have not encountered anyone like that. And in fact, I think I, th- I think it's a super good point that you raise. And I think up until now, they've been incredibly archetypal. Like they're just lumbering. They're, they're barely soldiers. They're just lumbering violence machines. And they're all, as far as I can recall, they've all been male yeah, today. They're Klingons without the legendary charm. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But it's interesting. So here, they haven't been frozen. They've been, you know, they, they're just in some sort of hypersleep or space sleep. In the last one that we had in, um, what was it called again, Drew? You mentioned it earlier. Cold War. Cold War, yes. Was it not also a case of one of them having been frozen? Yeah, the... Skaldak, the legendary Skaldak, exactly. specifically flew to Earth in a plane solo by himself, got stuck in some ice. Yeah, exactly. Why the thing they... from outer space into some ice. Why do, they keep, why do they keep coming to Earth on these solo missions? Like, what was he doing on Earth? Yeah, good question. <laughs> well, they just and... disappear into Jupiter and are never seen again. In the original Ice Warrior episodes, the first one, there are two of them that are just frozen in ice and are found, like, effectively, like, very the thing from outer space, very the thing of John Carpenter fame. They just find these two dudes in the ice, thaw them out, and like, oh, oh, shit, yeah, hey, you're, you're alive, and you're like space aliens. This is just what we get with Ice Warriors, even though it's catering to that same very uncharismatic archetype. It's a nice little callback to classic Who. Mm. Well, no, it's a nice little callback to Mark Gatiss's last unoriginal episode, is what it is. <laughs> Did he also do Cold War then? Yes. Mm. Well, well done, Mark Gatiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're nothing if not Pat consistent. yourself on the back. <laughs> You've just mentioned The Thing. Does, yeah. So this is one of the films that Bill mentions. She's like talking about all these mm. films that the Doctor's never seen. I'd, I wanted to know, I don't know enough about these films to know whether any of them were referenced like throughout the episode. Which ones are there? I've only made a note to say that there are a shit ton of movie references. As in like outright references to yeah, movies. Yeah. So she mentions the Terminator, the Thing, and the Vikings, the the three that I wrote down for her. And then at the end, Doc has a very cheeky throwaway reference to Frozen. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is seen. She is the Ice Queen in German. So, oh, um, really? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But I don't know. There was uh, a really like stylized image of like the hand coming out of the earth when that the felt ice very Romero, didn't it? That's very yeah. Night of the Living Dead ish Romero yeah. aesthetics. 
the, uh, like the Vikings a... one, I haven't seen that, but that is contextualized in dialogue as, oh, there's such a cool scene by Bill. There's such a cool scene where someone gets their eye gouged out and then pan <laughs> pan hard right to what's his face, Friday, who's like, yeah. hi, I'm missing an eyeball. Thanks very much, you tactless bitch. Um, no, but... he's 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 trying to wink and say I've seen it too, and tragically failing. Oh, oh so sad, so sad. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen seen that. I think that that was another reference to, or p- potentially another reference to a classic Who serial, one that we recently reviewed on Who Back When, The Visitation, in which we also have a reptilian alien who crashed on Earth and who lost an eye in the process. Oh, oh right. Mm. Goodness sake. Can't remember what they're called now, but very cool serial. Well, that's the thing. We've talked about this before. So, in fact, he's making us repeat ourselves. When Mark Gatiss stuffs so many references and parodies and callbacks and whatever into a script, suddenly it seems like there's hardly anything left that's original. Yeah, there comes a point where making blatant references to something is perhaps... Teetering on the ed- edge of laziness. It's not finessing it into the script. It's just calling it out. Yeah, it's what a good mm-hmm. film I watched on. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> on making movies last week. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so last night a buddy came around and like there came a point when we had had enough to drink that the conversation went from oh wow we are actually adding something to the conversation to oh we are just referencing shit so (laughs) at a certain hour we both just went have you seen that yeah that's good have you seen that yeah that's great oh i didn't like that did you watch that though yeah that's much better and i went yeah i think we've had enough and i (laughs) think maybe that's what's happening here (laughs) to bring this back to, to this episode like add something to the episode don't just mention something that someone else added elsewhere yeah and unless it's part of the plot maybe it's a bit hubristic on mark gates's part i don't want to get too negative because i thought this was one of his more solid ones but there's always something missing from his episode he could always have done more but what he does the most of is packing his references and checking them off his list and that's his first priority and it's like dude write a good supporting cast of the week and then see what space you have left over <laughs> you didn't like, I think you what... didn't like mr mr i've been executed twice where's my life gonna go next i loved him i What's thought he was chops? wonderful he was take a great it. supporting he, character he was good but he came good a bit late because a lot of his platoon and his troop get killed before that point and there are a lot of scenes which would have benefited from being lent a little extra tension and a little extra concern on behalf of the characters but it's just not there until he opens up in the brig once most of them have bought it and then we only care about him who is the other one i cared about there was one i wrote his name down what, what, was it Dor. was it the guy is jack, jack Dor the guy is Bloody Jack Dor the Jack Dor. Isn't Jackdaw the guy who wants to steal rubies and is just an utter shitwinkle? Yeah, he was brilliant. Oh, no, I was absolutely sure that you were going to mention, I can't remember his name either, but the, the guy who did, who basically did exactly the same scene that Drew and I improvised a number of episodes ago. They're like, oh, have you seen this picture? It's a picture of my wife. Oh, this is my fiance. Oh, she's pregnant. Oh. So, you know, like the... <laughs> 
every single cliche <laughs> yeah. in the book yeah. was outed in that scene. <laughs> we, we haven't booked a date yet because I'm going to get rich on this mission. Then I'm go back to her and give her the life she richly deserves. And we're going to get married in that little church with the twisted spire down by the river in the woods within earshot of the babbling brook surrounded Kapow, by our friends. Dead. I'm so popular. <laughs> ah! Holy moly. That was cliche city. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, they're all wearing red. <laughs> Just to point that out. Well, that's the British Imperial. No, no I, know, I know, I know, I know that that's the uniform. I'm sorry, it's a bad joke. But I mean, they, they are all clearly red shirts in general. They're mm. all expendable characters. Sorry, that was it was a bad joke. Yeah, but Vincy. the second that he whips out the picture of his fiance, it's just like, yeah, you are dead. Yeah. His <laughs> like, name is Vincy. 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 Uh, that's taking up valuable real estate in my brain, Drew. I don't need to know that name. He's not going to be around for long. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Well, yeah, and there was him, and there was Peach, and all. Sorry, who's Peach? Peach is the sergeant who uh, gets chloroformed or mm. in the tea or whatever it is by Jackdaw. Oh, yeah. Jackdaw, the guy Jack- who can't oh. resist shiny things, and his name Bloody is Jackdaw. Yeah. Bloody love Jackdaw. <laughs> what is Jackdaw's plan? He's he's gonna off into the plane and go back home. He's gonna fill it with rubies, and then he's just gonna yeah, fuck by off, himself. Up, he's gonna leave his Mars. chums there. Yeah. He is going to leave his chums behind. Still, he's your favourite. He knows what he wants and he's not afraid to get it. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough. If he's a go get up. (laughs) I love him. I think he's brilliant. Love it. (laughs) I mean, he's the most. Anyway. Yeah, he's the most striking. He gets to actually do a turn. Yeah. Grab your attention. He's a man of his own action. He's like. He knows what he wants, yeah. Um, what did you feel about the gun? The, I'm going to turn you into a twisty knot of person gun. Oh, it's so arousing. I, I mean, the squareness so cool. gun, but except it's like I the al- cubeness gun. <laughs> yes, exactly. I almost called it a squareness gun. <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic effect. I don't know if we... Did they have this in uh, Cold War as well? No, not at all. I don't remember that. So I don't remember this from Classic Who, but I mean, either I'm misremembering or we just haven't gotten that far yet. But holy moly, like really holy moly. It's so violent. It's so brutal. Yeah, it's it's not Love bloody, it. but it's it's worse than bloody. It's so eerie and unprocessable what happens to them. In a similar way, yeah. I mean, how would you compare this to the, uh, uh, what's it called, the tissue compression gun that the master uses? Because it's a so- similar effect of, I'm going to take someone's human form and I'm going to just do something unspeakable to it. They're going to die in the process, not sure how it's going to feel, <laughs> but the end result is going to be horrendous. But they just look like silly little matchstick people. I, I can never actually do anything but sort of chuckle to myself when I see him oh, holding really? one up and going, yeah! Uh, <laughs> okay, so all right, doesn't, okay. It doesn't seem that painful to me. It just seems like, you'd, I don't, yeah, it's just like a shrink ray. But the, oh, okay. the yeah. twisty, like, contortionist, I'm just going to take a person and <sighs> tie them into a knot. Like, like, And then I started thinking, like, could you untangle them? Like... <laughs> you undo this knot and come out with a really long string of person and how creepy would that be i'm okay guys really i'm okay <laughs> yeah. maybe vincey's in the middle there going 
But everything's too noisy. There are too many noisy males for them to hear him. Oh, Vincey. Oh, damn noisy The irony is he'd finally fit into that twisted spire. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's such a scary weapon. Mm. It really is. Yeah, I think. I think also, I mean, I'd sorry. rather be shot than. I'd rather just be shot than turned into one of those. It just looks horrendous. Absolutely. Yeah. At yeah. least you know where you are, and your head's not up your own ass. <laughs> and you're right. At which point do they die? I'm assuming it kills them, but like when? <laughs> I don't know. I'm how. assuming it also somehow empties them out. It, it makes them into mm. perfect little cubes. But at no point has the skin just gone. You know, it hasn't torn and fluids are coming out. It Somehow it just turns you into the perfect parcel. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who invented it, whether it was the Martian junkyards or the Martian postal service. <laughs> and they were like, wait, we could use this in a war. <coughs> we'll wage war on Martian DHL. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Shoehorning was- in their action. It was Martian Scrap Heap Challenge that did it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, yeah. Martian Robert Llewellyn thought it was a great idea to begin with. (laughs) How do you feel about the Ice Warriors in general? Are they scary? What do you think of their suits? What do you think of any of it? Like, she, the queen is, I think. She's quite scary. And then when she, like, awakens her warriors and you realise that they're all around, you're surrounded by them and they're all coming to light in the little tunnels, that's quite scary. Yeah, apart from the fact that she can't stop saying, sleep no more, sleep no more. <laughs> that was the last thing he wrote, wasn't it? Yes, I think. I, I, I don't get that scene. I have to say, I don't get that scene. I think it's beautifully done, The the just the effect of it when you suddenly see how high the ceilings mm. are, how, how mm. big this room is. But how do the Ice Warriors at the top get down? I mean, like, I... I <laughs> they stand on I the shoulders of the row beneath, obviously. Uh, obviously. Dude, I sometimes wake up in the morning and feel a little drowsy. And when I stand up next to the bed, I, I feel like, whoa, I have not properly woken up yet. Or, you know, like, oh, I should have called it quits after three martinis last night. So how the hell do you reckon you'd feel if you suddenly woke up after a thousand years of sleeping in a folded up Murphy bed on oh. the ledge of a 20th floor balcony. And <laughs> would they not go like, sleep no more, sleep no more. And then it just rains ice warriors <laughs> around her. No, what it does is it rains ice warrior piss because they've needed oh. to go to Blue for millennia. And they're like, how do I get down from here? Oh no, I, I can't keep it in. And, oh. Oh, <laughs> oh, fine. Oh, thank goodness. There's my boner. <laughs> I thought I'd lost it through. <laughs> I owe you one, buddy. <laughs> and then they just they just dive into the rapidly filling pool. That's so what gross. I was going to say was after 5,000 years, you've never been more rested. You wake up and you're like, bloody hell, I feel like an Olympic gymnast and just whoop, 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 whee, and suddenly you're on the floor. You don't even know how you got there. You feel super human, super ice warrior, whatever. Hmm. That's also a solid theory. Uh, All right, another question then. (laughs) Friday told them how to build the Gargantua. Mm -hmm. Mm. And then he spends months waiting on them. Let's put a pin in that as well. He spends months waiting on them while they very slowly, on occasion, fire a laser at a wall, hoping that they will eventually get to the point to the the location that I'm sure he must know exactly where it is in order for him to go in and wake up the uh, the empress slash the queen. Why yeah. doesn't he just immediately blast through walls with that gun? Take it away, either of you. Does it? Uh, don't, aren't they firing the whole time and it just takes a long time to get through the wall because it's dead thick? 
Okay, that's yeah, Leon, that's a it is dead thick. <laughs> that's a possibility. That's absolutely a possibility. So, but still, why does he wait on them? Wouldn't he just go? Here's how you build the gargantua. Great. Okay, done. And then he turns them all into parcels, and then he just lasers the wall until it's done. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether it's because it's partly Stockholm syndrome, or whether it's meant to reflect in some way the obsequious attitude that colonized peoples had to adopt towards the colonizer. I feel like there might be a hint of the latter, but if there is, it's Maybe. super implicit. <laughs> there's there's an element later on, but I don't know if that's been going on the whole time. There's an element later on of him feeling a certain debt, perhaps, because they saved his life in the crash. Yeah, and but, I mean, loyalty. he's clearly taking advantage of them, so he can't be feeling that guilty about it. Is it? Is it? He, does he get show loyalty towards them? Because I know that is it him that shows loyalty towards them? Because I know that like maybe Bill or someone says like, oh, these people saved his life. Like you wouldn't be awake if it wasn't for them, and they're trying to get the queen to show mercy on the soldiers. Well, he does when... Romero into the cell and then go, "Hi, we need to put us put an end to this. But yeah, we I need to like work that's... together." But that's t- for like Bill and the Doctor. That's not for the men that have like made him serve tea for. That's many true. Months. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Maybe he sees a kin- He sees the Doctor as someone that knows who my people are and respects us and wants to help us. And he doesn't want like the British soldiers have the big gun. I don't know. I don't. I didn't mm. see it as a kinship between him and the soldiers. I think he was there to save Bill and the Doctor. I think you're right. Mm. No, Unless I- possibly in that cell. Oh, sorry, Drew. I'm not convinced. I think he is showing something towards the soldiers. Not all the soldiers, obviously, but he is all for an alliance. He knows where Bill and Doc are going, and he agrees with their intentions. But but he's for an alliance because he knows that his planet is dust and there's nothing for them there. Because that's when, like, like, the Doctor's trying to get the Queen on side and form this alliance, and he jumps in and is like, he's telling the truth. Like, there's nothing for us here. We need to go somewhere else, and we need this man's help to get there. Who was it who saved him, though? Was it the um, deserter? Was it the chap with the uh, the scars? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. So maybe it's not that he... Rome- so maybe he Romero's into the cell not to show his loyalty towards Doc and Bill, but to show his loyalty to him because he's also in the cell with them, isn't he? Yeah, but he doesn't. It's he saves him after, like he gets out oh, of yeah, the cell. Yeah, that is true. Then... No, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, you're right. I think the possibility that he does have some affection and attachment to the platoon, it, for the most part, it, it at least isn't closed off. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It, you can read it either way. I think, but I don't think it's that straightforward. Yeah. I do like him when he's like serving his tea and there's this big like bulky guy in in metal and he's in this like tiny teapots and stuff and it reminds me of like original Crichton on Red Dwarf and it's just the cutest image ever. (laughs) Okay. Oh, see, it reminds me of Victory of the Daleks and these big guys in metal going around saying, would you like some tea? (laughs) (laughs) Another Mark Gatiss episode perchance? Was it? Yes, indeed. Oh, oh there you goodness. go. Yes. Another callback. Mm. Solid work. I yeah, think you're solid fine. like a backed up colon. <laughs> 5,000 oh, wow. years. I feel like I might know where you're landing on this one, Drew. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to throw something else I don't like in then, and then we can get through this. Do it, and do it, do it, do it. the part where I enjoy it. In Cold War, the TARDIS left 
And it was like, okay, yeah. you realize the TARDIS has to leave to escalate the peril. But Mark Gatiss mentioned the Hads, and Leon was like, oh, the Hads, the Hads was in Classic Who. It's a callback. Solid work, Mark Gatiss, solid work. And and Wait, the here, Hads? Yeah, it was a, a control in the TARDIS. It's an acronym for something. Oh, okay. I've, I've forgotten. Yeah. All right. Here, the TARDIS buggers off, and it is not explained in any way at all. There is no temporal Mm. paradox reason for it, because the British army being on Mars in Victorian times has nothing to do with timey-wimey wibble-wobble. It's a straight crashed spaceship turned around scenario. So it's not explained in any way, and it's just a plot device cum machina. Isn't it just because... I mean, I don't know in what order these scripts are written, but don't you think it's just because this was a script that simply did not feature Nardole? And they were like, yeah, we'll need to write about somehow. <laughs> Let's do that. And yeah. also, oh, by the way, we've decided that Missy's going to return next time. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. Two birds, one stone. Let's have him go and get her. Are they going to do something? No. Is he going to no. get her? Uh, no. Okay, great. Done. Problem solved. <laughs> Is he going to rock up several hours later just as the adventure ends, despite the fact that he could go back to the exact time he left? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think there are a lot of occasions in Doctor Who that we've had similar situations, as in, like, this is a plot twist of convenience. Mm. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Why is this person gone? Oh, it's because they didn't write this script with that person in mind. Well, yes, but now that we've written a few scripts of our own, I feel like... If I were writing the script, I would try to answer that question and not hope that nobody noticed. And Mark yeah. Gatiss no, is, is a veteran at this point. He's written nearly a dozen episodes. So attend to it. Do the basic legwork. But I will say, to bring this around, the thing he sets up with Missy at the end... Oh my God. Sorry, go on. But no, I, like, I was so pissed off that she wasn't in it for the most part because as soon as Nardole lands and he goes and knocks on the door and he's like, oh, can you help me? I got really excited that she was going to swoop in and save the day and then she doesn't. But yeah, the last scene is amazing and it makes me very excited about what's going to come next. Yeah. yeah. Because it's so counterintuitive. You think, oh, Missy, she, the bigger she is, the better. But her not acting abnormal or insane is so unsettling. I know. It really it feels like she is up to something. <laughs> Everything she says and does tells you, I'm uh, rehabilitated. I'm just here because I want to do you a solid, friends. But, oh, no, absolutely not. But it's like <laughs> she's creepier because she's got these like new powers now. It feels like she can almost like read the doctor's mind or something because she's like what does she say to him she goes Doc, like are you all right doctor and then he ignores her and blah 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 and then at the end she's like no but are you all right and it gets really serious and you're like oh my god is he not all right what's happening and just oh my god what does it what does it mean yeah is she gonna Darren brown him why is she so no. concerned about his mental well-being i don't like yeah. this at all i'm unsettled I by it i love it yeah D- but that's, that's, that's it. not what she's doing though she is just being a normal person saying you've clearly been through something i can see in your face are you all right and he's like we have never interacted on this level i don't you are one of my best friends but it turns out you're also a person yeah i'm flummoxed by this i think it <laughs> is i think that is what it is marie wow that's and it's yeah, so i really expect yeah it is <laughs> I'd rather, like, I can imagine more that she has psychic powers and that she just wants to know if he's had a rough day. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't believe that when she's staring at him, instead of a cool stare of 
detachment and mind control. It's sincerity. Your mind but breaks how, because the like, master has never done this. How incredible also, is oh, Michelle Gomez? How incredible is Michelle Gomez that she's in like a fifth of not a fifth, five percent of this episode, and she just steals it. Like she's so cool, and she's in nothing. She does nothing. She's doing a still a job in a very few <laughs> frames of film. But that's also because we have, at this point, 50 plus years of of that character. Maybe not 50 plus years. We have X amount of decades of that character being like never concerned for someone else's well-being. Certainly not the Doctor's. So that does change it up. But isn't this very similar to... This is not a point of criticism. This is, if anything, this is turning that same scene up on its head. Isn't this quite similar to What's-His-Face taking out the photo of his fiance? And because we're seeing that happen, we know that the next thing that's going to happen for that character is going to be dramatic and cataclysmic. Isn't it a similar situation for Missy as she's starting to exhibit positive character traits? Don't we know that this is that positive reveal before the inevitable character switch of let's go back to normal, let's be evil Missy again? I don't think so at all. I thought you were going to say it's going to be her downfall and she's going to like, I can't even remember what happens to Missy after this, to be honest. So I have no idea what's coming, but like, I don't think it's certain what's going to happen at all. Like she could do a massive switch and, you know, betray him again, but she also equally, she could have be like pure of heart and do the right thing and sacrifice herself and like die in some other way. Or she could like someone else might come in and take advantage of her now that she's, you know, got a good, I don't know. There, like there are so many different things that could happen. I don't think it's as clear as like, oh, the red shirt's going to die. Like something's going to happen, but I don't know what it is. Okay. I definitely read this as th- this is the end of like, we're approaching end of act two of Missy's development. <laughs> And like, it's the equivalent of the the hero's journey. Like, oh no, friends suddenly, the protagonists suddenly don't get along. Oh no, something tragic just happened. It's fine. In act three, everything will be fine. Like they they will realize that actually they're meant to work together and they will overcome whatever adversity the, the story is about. For Missy, being a bad person, being the antagonist, it's in reverse. So the end of act two is not negative, it's positive. And that means that the act three for Missy is going to be not an upswing towards victory is going to be a downturn towards her evil, you know, her evil roots. Well, yeah, absolutely. And we've had that in The Witch's Familiar with Davros, where he says, Doctor, let me let me see the sunrise one last time. Her, yes. 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 And, and but I fucking loved that and so if she does go back to being evil then i want to see how she does that and how she plays it and if she doesn't and i think i remember the end of the series being much more a struggle between her pure evil self in john sim and the doctor representing the potential for pure good in her there's a real tug of war between those two and i can't wait and i remember it being fantastic yeah and that's the thing like okay maybe we do know that at the end evil's gonna win and she's going to revert to type but we don't know how she's going to get there and that's the beauty of the journey Uh, okay i'm not spoiling anything because we've seen these episodes two episodes from now it's world enough and time two episodes from now something very interesting is going to (laughs) happen oh yeah baby oh yeah baby 
So the next episode is just the status quo that's maintained (laughs) after this wibble wobble that we've seen at the end of this episode. And after that, we are getting that Act 3 startup for Missy. But what's your problem? What's wrong with you, yeah, dude? What it's are you not a problem. For? I'm not, I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm, you, said I'm not... you said she was a red shirt two minutes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, she's not a red shirt. She's not a red shirt. When did I say that? Yeah, no, Vincey and Missy are basically people. interchangeable. Yeah, you heard that too, Drew, right? It's not just me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I must not have expressed myself clearly enough because that's absolutely not how I feel. No, she's not a red shirt. I'm saying it's a similar vibe of, oh, you know that something dramatic. This isn't a point of criticism, by the t- way, at all. But it's totally different from, okay, I know that guy is, that guy is disposable and we know that we're going to learn a tiny bit of backstory just enough to feel about him and then he'll die versus a character like you say that has a 50 year backstory and could turn evil in any one of like a million different ways (laughs) i just don't think they're comparable in the slightest i feel like you're doing her a massive disservice by even trying to link the two okay i've clearly not done a good job of saying what i feel about this my point in incredibly brief although i feel like i've babbled on about this and clearly not very well but my point in incredibly (laughs) brief is At no point do I feel that she is rehabilitated. I know for a fact that the the mere mention of anything even remotely remotely resembling (laughs) rehabilitation means that she is not and something horrible is about to happen mm. and by horrible i mean amazing <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's that's all i'm i'm saying yeah well it's a lovely thread to breadcrumb us i'm mixing my uh, analogies here but well done moth <laughs> for thinking this one up because mm, i am ready for that act three. Uh, oh my god oh, me too yeah. Oh, oh yeah so good so good let's just get through the next episode i can't remember if it's good or bad i don't give a shit i really want to be two episodes from now <laughs> yeah me too i half expect you to say shall we rate this you've <laughs> 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 got more to say i have a few more points of either admiration or criticism in my notes uh, how about something incredibly superficial the diving suit come spacesuit like how do you feel about that what? The steampunk the Victorian suit that gets era. out of the lift with exactly. all the eyes. Exactly. Oh, what? I can't even. What? I do remember this. I, I can picture it in my eye, mind's eye, but I can't remember where it comes. I what thought it was it? cool, Leon. Picture on whobaywen.com. Where does that occur? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Very early, when Bill has fallen down the chute and oh, she gets up. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, hey, it's it, there's fire down here, so it must be breathable. And she's very clever, very brave. And, well, not all takes his mask off first, but yeah. yeah. Uh, that, I think, is nonsense. Seriously. No, I like, liked oh, let's that all... moment, though. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's a, it's a fantastic scene, the basic physics interchange between them. It, That's wonderful. I love it that they both think they have uh, this level of like, oh, yeah, physics, fire, oxygen. Okay, and the doctor's like, no! <laughs> like, this could go so horribly wrong. Please have you guys stop. not seen Prometheus? This die. is not how you do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? Fire, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm great. What are these? Alien spores inside my ears? Yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, of anyone, so Nardol should be the last person to be cavalier with his lungs. They basically <laughs> burnt out last week. Yeah, but he yeah, get new geez. ones. He's fine. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> But the diving suit, regardless, holy moly, loved it. But who is? Uh, but what's this diving suit for? Who wears it? 
the Victorian chaps. Catch love when he's fixing um, the ship on the surface. By yes. the way, and then, when are they going to develop some decent landing gear for that fucking ship? I mean, who's piloting that thing? Did he not finish? Did he not pass before every before his examiner went to sleep? Just, oh, fight, you mean just the, point uh, it at the nearest planet ship? and brace is how he knows to fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the driving license equivalent for Ice Warriors, it's like, how do you land? Oh, well, you crash into a planet and then you wake up 2,000 years later. Yeah. Like, you may have to right, be great. a butler for six months. <laughs> But you'll get if back in lucky. the air eventually. <laughs> Imagine the driving license test for Ice Warriors. Yeah, there's an awful lot of serving tea. It's a weird thing. <laughs> that is, okay, so that's another thing. How long have these people been on Mars? We get a reference by, what's his face, Mr. I have a fiancé. Uh, Vinci! Uh, Vinci. We get a reference from him. I think it's from him. He says, months we've been digging here. Uh, what have we got to show for it? Yeah, so months. Yeah, months but we've been digging have- here. And still unvirtuous and pure. <laughs> they still have cake. Yep. Where's this cake He's coming making from? It. He's making it fresh every day. How? With the what? fire. That's how they're baking. With the fire. Yeah. What? They, they, they brought flour. They're like, all right, yeah, sure. We'll go to an alien world. We'll go to Mars and... Yeah, we'll go to Mars and we'll plunder Mars and we'll call it part of the empire. Sorry, what was that? They need scones with their tea. Of course they take flour. Like, yeah. They've been there for months. Sacks of flour. For Caddies of a Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm the one who's criticizing this. <laughs> there have been episodes of Who Back When where you guys have been like, wait, okay, there, there was that episode, Smile, where you drew, like, yep. that's not a nice wall. And here <laughs> I am. I stand by here, that. You two are still wrong. And here I am saying they've been on Mars for months and still they are making cake. Where think, is all this cake coming from? I think you, <laughs> and you're underestimate, like, yeah, <laughs> you underestimate how much British people like to and cake honestly yeah and a nice wall yeah i've seen so many substandard walls in my time i am sick of it that's what i'm hoping for from the future i actually think there's a cabin somewhere just full of chickens so they've got fresh eggs to make the victoria sponges with (laughs) (laughs) no friday and a cow and a cow to get the milk for the tea they've got they've come prepared they're fine no all of that comes from friday (laughs) (laughs) and making a victoria sponge for them is the most patriotic thing they can do Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh my god. I had never thought about that. Was that invented in this period? Is it an ode to the Queen Victoria? Victoria or did they just name yeah. a really plain boring No, that makes perfect sense. There wasn't the Edwardia sponge, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. The George sponge. I wouldn't touch why a George got, sponge. Why haven't we got an Elizabeth sponge? Come on. She's been We've got Coronation home. Chicken. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question about this ship that keeps crashing. Let's Mm. hear it. If Friday was asleep on that ship much longer than anticipated, he's presumably been in the veldt for bloody ages. Mm. Why didn't any Africans find him? (laughs) Was he... He must have... Maybe he crashed, like, into a volcano or something. Oh, and only the British coloniser is stupid enough to go into the volcano. (laughs) Exactly. What's this flaming thing up here? I think I shall go conquer it. Yes, what a quaint native construction. 
I think I'll go and tear it down and put up a big statue of Queen Victoria instead. <laughs> I didn't look at the trivia for this one at all, but I looked at the cast list trying to find people that I recognized and looking them up on IMDb and going, oh, yeah, no, I thought I recognized you, but I don't know where I would have recognized you. Maybe I bumped into you on the street. Like, <laughs> I've who, seen who none, you none of your work. I, I thought maybe I recognized the chap who, uh, I can't remember his name now, but the deserter. I thought I recognized uh, him from something. Oh, Godsaker. Godsaker. Mm. Has he been in something? Um, looking it up. I've got him I'm right sure here. I looked him up on IMDb and I, I don't think I recognize anything, but I did find a different credit and I made a note of some absolutely, I think, I'm very biased, but I think absolutely fantastic circular trivia. <laughs> well, let's hear that because I'm not seeing anything apart from pure British telly that this guy's been in. Okay, then. Well, in that case, let me tell you the following. Friday. Yes. Friday was played by Richard Ashton. Richard Ashton also played one of the Mondachiwans in The Fifth Element, as in, you know, one of the lumbering aliens, the, the ancient aliens in the beginning of, of uh, Fifth Element. Nailed lumbering aliens, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> in The Fifth Element, in the opera scene, uh, you know, the... <laughs> That scene. Uh, that's my perfect rendition of that scene, by the way. That's good. Uh, Podcast Land didn't see my dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> in the opera scene, or rather in the opera, there is a character called Emperor Kodar Jaffet, who doesn't have any lines as far as I recall, but is played by Sonny Caldinez. Now, Sonny Caldinez... <laughs> among other things, played the very first Ice Warriors oh. in classic Doctor Who. No oh, that's way. cool. That's and in a, so, as in the Patrick Troughton serials, uh, and mm. also in Pertwee series. He was in the Ice Warriors in 1967, Seeds of Death 1969, Curse of Peladon 1972, and Monster of Peladon 1974. So, circular trivia. Nice. Podcast land, pop a boner. It's on me. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. I felt certain... <laughs> I felt certain that you were going to say Richard Ashton, whose biggest role was as Chaz in Monster Cafe. Anyone else remember Monster Cafe? No. What's that? Monsters, the hairy and the hungry. It's a CBBC thing from a long time ago. Oh, I don't don't know that. Wow. But okay, I'm just going to run through a few things that he's played. He has played Mr. Little twice in A Christmas Prince and A Christmas Prince The Royal Wedding. He's played Big Jimmy. He's played a bouncer. He's played Gordon the Giant. He's played the big investor in the Basil Brush show. So it's mostly little or big things, but mostly big yeah. things. Big things that are called little as a joke. That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like t- uh, Tiny little, Lister. Little John. <laughs> He's the Tiny Lister of the UK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did I say Little John? He's played Little John as well. And Tall <laughs> Alien. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, wow. In the New Adventures AKA of Robin Shorty. Hood. How tall is he? He's very type- typecast. Oh, it just doesn't have it in his tree. Yeah, find out. Let's find out. Richard Ashton. Oh, hang on. Yes, right six now. foot oh. seven. Ah, taller than my dad. That's six massive. foot seven. <laughs> <laughs> 2.01 meters. That 01 Whoa. is extremely important. It's very important. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 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 He's on his he way to three meters to... tall. I've also got some circular trivia about the guy who played Catch Love. Ooh. Uh, wait, wait. Let's hear it, my dear fellow. He's Ferdinand Kingsley, son of Sir Ben Kingsley. <gasps> he is not. What? He is. 
He doesn't have that many acting credits, but one of them, a recurring role, is as Francatelli, Mr. Francatelli, in the TV series Victoria with Jenna Coleman. No way! Doctor Connection! Wait, this is the new one that's been out. I haven't seen it yet. 2016 to 19 on MDB. Oh, no. I have not even heard of Doctor that one. Doctor Who Connection. Doctor Who Connection. <laughs> Wait, Jenna Coleman's nice. thing I haven't seen. That's new. You haven't yeah. heard of Victoria with Jenna no. Coleman? What? That's yeah, been around oh, for years. The other big thing she did after Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, no. Did you not watch her in The Serpent? No, I remember you mentioning The Serpent. That was recently, right? Like, that's that's yeah. a miniseries or something she did for Netflix, I think. I haven't seen it yet. It's but really good. What did she do in between? Victoria. Victoria, apparently. The whole time? Yeah. Well, she'll have done other things, but that's not the... Th- that's not the subject of this particular review. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. <laughs> how, come the, how come no one ever told me about this Victoria show? We assumed that you've been watching it since day one. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we assumed worried that, that if we brought it up, we might never get another word in. We would have had to make an, a Victoria podcast. Exactly. Oh, you guys, have you seen this uh, the show of Victoria? That's not what you sound like, by the way, Marie. No, I'm so not. sorry. I'm so bad at acting. I know it's not. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, damn it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sort this. I'm going to hit this accent. Are you? Don't make Are me you? American. <laughs> Don't make me American. Damn it. <laughs> so I have a question. There we go. Uh-oh. Do the Ice Warriors believe in God? Because all the British people are shouting, God save the Queen! And wouldn't Iraxa have then asked, Who is this God? Is he a (laughs) mighty warrior? Does he drink prune juice? And then the Colonel would have had to reply, Oh yes, the Lord is a warrior, as it says in Exodus 15.3, which I'm sure you've read. He deposes kings and raises up others. I don't know about the prune juice. And Here's my friend Warp. He can talk to that. Yeah. But, uh, but she raises no objections whatsoever. I'm assuming that they have uh, a god or gods of their own. Most aliens in most sci-fi shows have had their own belief systems as well. Uh, mm. But not something that, as far as I'm aware, has been explored in uh, in the universe. Again, something that Jane Michael Straczynski would probably explore. I have a question. Um, Because I was just about to say, maybe like our word for God is translated into whatever their word for God is, and it's all fine because everyone understands it. But no, because we're not in the TARDIS matrix. Only Bill and the Doctor That's true. should be able to understand them. How do all the British people know what they're saying? Do they just speak English? That's such a good point. Mm. It, or, or they should only just now start to understand each other. Like, they and Friday should only now start to understand each other because the TARDIS is nearby. Uh, well, it's not, for the most part. Buggers off. No, but it, it arrives in the beginning, and maybe that applies the TARDIS translation matrix. But you're right, like, for the past, let's say, four to five months, Friday should just have been spilling tea and baking the shittest Victoria sponge cakes. <laughs> And no one would have been able to complain about it properly. Like, no, Friday, it's meant sponge, spongy. This is crusty. And he's there just going, <laughs> well, like, we, we oh, don't. Maybe try it differently, you'll get it. <laughs> we don't know how long Friday was on Earth to pick up the language, but definitely once they get oh to Mars God. and they're in that chamber, which we're dealing with a jacked Pocahontas scenario. So, so are you are you positing that for potentially like centuries, 
<laughs> Friday was walking around in his armor, but he was wearing a, like a hat on top of it. <laughs> or a cloak. <laughs> or a cloak, yeah, like just like an ill-fitting jacket. <laughs> Didn't speak the language until a while into it, but like just blended in. He had a job. He paid taxes. <laughs> there were all sorts of weird, misshapen people lumbering through medieval and early modern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, he was a baker. He he had a patisserie. He he <laughs> yeah, made definitely. Victoria sponge cakes all over the place. That's why they brought him just for his cake expertise. They don't care about. Yeah, and then <laughs> oh, coinkydink! You're an alien, are you? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> How didn't, fascinating! How <laughs> yeah. marvelous, chap! Did you know this? Fight is an alien. Oh, no. top Sarah boy! <laughs> marvelous! Does he know this part of the world? Oh, brilliant! Bring us over a couple more Viennois and let's talk <laughs> by let's talk I mean I'll talk and you serve more tea yes and hiss in your broken English <laughs> <laughs> isn't it charming <laughs> he wants to be commanded around the place you understand <laughs> yeah I didn't know whether ultimately this was supposed to be fudged by him being called Godsaker <laughs> Fudge, oh yeah. <laughs> he also invented fudge. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know whether it was supposed to be fudged by him being called Godsaker. So he originally he was gonna write out Godsaker saved the Queen, but he ran out of rocks and he was like, Oh, this is also a phrase. I suppose it's good enough for the spaceship coming down who are gonna be like, What the fuck does that even mean? But Can we talk about right this place. phrase? Can we talk about this sign? Yeah. Because what the shit? This is uh, I I know that it's very charming. I know that it bookends the episode, and I I get that like on the surface, no pun intended. It's kind ah. of cool, but <laughs> it makes it, Capaldi it smile also... so broadly. It does. But isn't it also utter nonsense? I mean, the the reason that it, this is happening, my understanding anyway, is that the reason this is happening is because the doctor effectively suggests that hey, why don't we do this thing so that at the end he'll have seen that message. Maybe he even goes, yeah, that looks like something I would put there and let's go there and see what's going on. And it's one of those bootstrap paradoxes. But why would they put that on the surface of Mars? Like, th there's, there's no point in doing that, aside from Doc having to create a MacGuffin for himself to chase at the start of the episode. Yeah, you know what there is a great big point to? No, what was that? A giant arrow, which would also work to tell the Alpha Centaurans where to land. Oh yeah, <laughs> like a massive like X marks the spot as well. That'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either this or is again. Target. I don't want to just circle smaller. <laughs> that'll do target. it. Target. <laughs> like, don't attack us. It's this is just our ornamental target. <laughs> the, the, uh, Maybe they they could do it, hearts inside hearts. So we come in peace. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. Vom, and also, the is, isn't there a... <laughs> you are not suited to Instagram at all. <laughs> Don't no, even no, bother I mean, trying. There's a, there's, there's a reason. I mean, please follow us on Instagram at whobackwhen. But... Um, <laughs> we'll hop you within heart right back. Follow me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
don't know how to use it. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to necessarily go back to the point we discussed at the very start of this review, but... Is she a queen or is she an empress? This is, I mean, this is moments after we have established that she is an empress. Mm. This is like, you are my empress. Cut to, God save the queen. What? (laughs) What? No, you understand these are two different titles, right? Because queen is a universally understood term and the art for centurions know about queens and they probably had a chat on the phone and they were like we're gonna write god save the empress and they'll be like what the fuck is an empress and we're like okay okay we'll write queen because you understand that yeah yes so yeah do you realize just how many titles the queen has uh, or a queen can have the queen is uh, oh as i'm well sure as being she has the queen, tons of them she is the lord of man oh she isn't is she really because that's brilliant that's the, isle- the lord that, of man that's the isle of man she is the that's, lord of man that's brilliant that's the title i can get behind that's yeah. That's changed my opinion of Queenie. I, of the like, monarchy. Yeah, I'm really proud of her just now. Yeah. By virtue of our retaining the Channel Islands, Guernsey and Jersey, uh-huh. she is also still officially the Duke of Normandy. Yes. Yes, she is. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. You go, Queen. Yeah. Would that not what? be a duchess, by the way? Apparently not. <laughs> I don't know. No, That's okay. what Wikipedia says. In in Scotland, I mean, yeah, she's wouldn't the she chief lady of the Primal Gathering. Wouldn't she be the lady uh, of have... man instead of the Lord of Man? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Lord of Man right. is what it says. I just well, want to tell I you have one no of my doubt that she has sorry. One of my favourite things about living in Germany is how many memes there are about the Queen. And they all go, like, in their beginning, there was nothing. And, like, God created blah, blah, blah. And in, but in the corner, and it's like, hey, who, who's this? And God's like, I don't know. She was here when I got here. And it's just, it's everywhere. <laughs> like, it's all the time. It's brilliant. It's so funny. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've never seen one that's of those really, in the UK. That's not. A no, thing. nor I. I, I. I'm glad that she's such a figurehead in Germany. I, I fully appreciate that Emperor, or sorry, Empress and Queen are two of myriad titles. Yeah, that yeah. In the Commonwealth the realms, she is known as the Fount of Honor. Good. Nice. The Fount great. of Honor. Great. I feel like once again, I'm not doing a great job of descri- of explaining my point. <laughs> But like, what I'm trying to get across is, point in brief, in Papua New Guinea, they call her Mama Belong Big Family. They don't, do they really? Oh my God, that's so precious. I love it. In, in their own language, but yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make myself another martini. It's really, really nice. In Sierra Leone, she's Mama Queen the second. Oh, I love oh, this no. page. Oh my goodness. I love this page too. You should, you should put this page on the website. <laughs> Jamaica, there are two. One is Mrs. Queen and the other is the Queen Lady. Oh, lady. (laughs) So yeah, Queen and Empress, I think, Leon, we've comprehensively talked over your point enough to the point where we've forgotten (laughs) what it was ever going to be. I just wanted to talk about something we've glossed over a little bit, the gargantua. We talk about it chewing through the underground, the subterranean rocks for months. I feel like, first of all, it's a lovely looking bit of kit. I really yeah. like it and the, the brightness of the light it gives off and the zapping effects and everything. And the fact that it's called the Gargantua. And then it just sort of 
flicks a couple of pebbles out every time. And at one point, the doctor is pointing at the ceiling saying, one shot from this, and I can bring the entire pole crashing down on our heads. And to date, we've seen what you get if you chuck a tennis ball at the wall repeatedly. No, that's not true. That's not true. Bill pointed it at the ceiling and she and she caused a, like a landslide and all the um, Martians were locked in the cave. That's very true. But every other time they were using it for the mining, it was just flick, flick, flick. Yeah, that's true. It was crap. The, the only reason she managed to block that entrance was because they had loosened it beforehand. It's oh, like the, uh, really? yeah, it's like opening a jar. Like, I was going to say, I can't open it. Oh, like, I loosen it for you. This is like when you, you give a jar to your girlfriend and she opens it first time and you're like, well, I loosened that. Is that your masculinity coming into play? Bill uh, could have done it I, on I mean, her own. There was absolutely no <laughs> gender role assigned whatsoever in my version of that. But yes, it's also a jar in my head. That's, yeah. <laughs> I did not specify who gave which jar to whom. I didn't specify any genders. I like didn't even think about it. So just to clarify, just a jar. Yeah, what's important? is that the gargantua is a giant rearing penis ejaculating laser jizz <laughs> at the vaginal wow. walls and gradually breaking them down. Wow. It, some, somehow I've been labelled a sexist for no reason. <laughs> Don't I'm understand sorry, what just Leon. happened. You're so evolved, clearly. Um, I'm, I'm, I was going to like, say, if, the if doctor... going through my notes, I'm, like, I'm going to not mention anything where I've used the word dick or cock because I don't want to come across as overcompensating. Don't come across, Leon. You play <laughs> Monster. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you guys. Um, anyway, but the doctor can bring the whole thing down because he knows how to use his gargantuan. That's the difference. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Just like he's got a good, he can aim for the right spot. He can <laughs> so you're saying it's not the size of the ship that counts, it's the motion of the ocean. I see, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Leon, what were you going to say? <laughs> I feel like well, we should I head in that direction. About, I was going to talk about something very different. I don't know what I'm allowed to say at this point so that I don't come across as either sexist or overcompensating for a tiny penis, but, but I did not realize that I was veering in, the, in either direction. Um, I was going to ask something very different, uh, specifically of you, Drew, uh, because you wrote... Uh, I'll, I'll pop a little blog plug here. You have written a number of blog pieces where you've touched upon the subject of sacrifice. Oh, sure. And in this episode, we get uh, Mr. I've already forgotten his name. Godsaker. 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 <laughs> I don't know why I can't The perfect his sacrificial name. name. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I it's can't remember it. basically God's sacrifice with Ithic removed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, heads up, I'm probably going to ask you what his name is in about five minutes again. So he is prepared to sacrifice himself again. What was both of your readings of this? And uh, perhaps specifically, how does this fit into your prior readings uh, as illustrated on the blog, Drew? Well, I guess I'll go first. I don't have a particularly (laughs) developed answer beyond what I've already written in my notes, which is that I don't feel like it's fully earned. It all happens very quickly at the end. Mm. First of all, he just executes catch love he, he says i executed mm. this guy i don't know how because he was wearing the steampunk spacesuit and the bullet should have just gone and ricocheted off but i guess he knew where to shoot but regardless of that um he's just killed a guy and then suddenly 
the Empress is like, yes, you're definitely harem material or whatever the hell is going on there. And he he actually he does such a good job of saying i've been crap in so many ways my entire life i did this and that was rubbish and they couldn't even hang me because my neck was too limp and then i ran away and hid <laughs> i have so little spine <laughs> like yeah. i dare yeah. you try to hang me <laughs> yeah try to compress it's a like jellyfish a you can't slug. do it you can't get a grip <laughs> on it Exactly. Yeah. You went for jellyfish. I went for slug. I feel like high fives are in order. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "You have proven yourself worthy." And I'm like, "What the frack?" <laughs> what I thought was it was weird that the doctor was like letting all this happen, and then this line at the end that's like, you know, I I would think like a warrior or something. Like he just Oh, that's always been his problem. He thinks like a warrior, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. I just didn't know really where that came from. (laughs) It's like all right. Or how it tied in and what sense it made. (laughs) It cuts back to (laughs) (laughs) I mean it cuts back to the doc afterwards well sorry, Bill rather afterwards talking to Doc and going like you knew this was gonna happen all along and he's Mm. like, Yeah, absolutely. But but no, you absolutely did not. No, like, no, there's no, no way in hell you knew about this dog. You were clearly prepared to sacrifice a human. <laughs> yeah, like, hold, hold on, <laughs> Bill. Let's see how this happened. pans out. You never know. You should have been dead by yeah. now anyway. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happens. It's like if if uh, if she parcels up... Uh, what's his name again? God's Acre? Yeah. I remembered. Yay, if she well parcels him up... up. Um, yeah, only took us <laughs> thanks, two hours. Thanks. <laughs> She parcels him up and he'll be like, uh, oh, Bill, uh, I'm sorry, lass, but uh, that's how it goes. <laughs> My Scottish accent is fucking spot on, by the way. Brilliant. Uh, I remember yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. I just but haven't been to that particular case, part of Scotland, but I'm sure it's dead. Scotland's a, really a big niche place. region. Yeah. But from the point of view of God's Acre, there is an actual sacrifice. Yeah. So, so Araxa shouldn't be saying what bravery and honor and virtue you have shown. She should be saying... You really have some serious self-esteem problems. (laughs) I think we should address those before you (laughs) consider entering my service. Let me get you in touch with my shrink. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She's really good. She works wonders. <laughs> but I do. I love it at the end as well when he's like, "I've survived two executions already," and it's like, "No, the second one wasn't execution. It was you g- going like, oh, please put me out of my misery,' and and her not doing that." Um, yeah, you're right. Yes, thank you. Freaking <laughs> great survived. point. Nobody tried to. Kill hey, God's sake! Don't be so full of yourself. <laughs> yeah. But okay, just rewind two seconds. Um, so you think that the doctor didn't know what was going to happen, which means that he no. was happy to sacrifice God's sake. What a million and seven percent. It's terrible. Is it because he des- he was a deserter? Because when the doctor needed him, he ran away. So it's like, well, fuck no, you. I, You're a coward. I don't care about your life. Or I, it, I think in in uh, Gatiss logic, yeah, he knew, and he was mm. like, oh, I knew he wasn't gonna die, lass. He was gonna be fine. That's Scottish, by the yeah. way. The, the um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but in actual fact, there is no way he could have known because clearly mm. that dude should be freaking Deadsville, mm. and consequently he must have been prepared to have him die. Mm. Yeah, but in Gates' logic, what he's doing is pulling the wool over our eyes. He's saying, I've written a script, and 
not only is this sequence of events realistic, to an evolved mind like the Doctor's, it's obvious. So if you disagree, you're clearly an imbecile. But it's yeah. like, no, Mark, it doesn't make sense. If you want to write me a little poem about how you're cleverer than me and I can't critique you correctly, go ahead. You're saying it's basically you. the Emperor's new clothes of Doctor Who scripts. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. All right. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> The Empress's new clothes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Queen slash Empress's new clothes. Or the Queen Lady. Yeah. Big naked or Queen or Lady too. Lord of Man's new clothes. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I really Empress hope one day I get to meet the Queen and I can be like, hello, Lord of Man. How do you do? I am Lord of... <laughs> yes. And- <laughs> Sheep. I don't know. I'll find Such a, thing. a proper address. Would you like to enter my service to the death, to the end? And you'll be like, yes, this was a reasonable escalation. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've always dreamed of. <laughs> Just when they're climaxing and having their big Valkyrie aria of to the end, to the death. That's not okay. this guy's character at all. At any point. But now he's mm. killed a guy, he's got the bloodlust and he's up for it. Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, blood is delicious. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think he drank the blood. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, sorry. My mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't he have anyone at home? I think I'd be like, hey, I've survived two executions. Doesn't he maybe have I should, anyone at Maybe home? I should go back to Earth and like make up with my loved ones and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> or at the very least, taunt my incompetent hangman. See this? See this? <laughs> I should be in the ground. You had one job, dude. One job. How oh. does that work, by the way? So, so it's like, I, we're going to hang you from your neck until you are dead. You're not dead yet. But it, dead. Might as well take him down. He's not going to die. <laughs> Do we have a protocol Let's for just hanging jellyfish slugs? No? He deserted. He was hanged for desertion. He survived the hanging. And then what? He was given a command again. Yeah, he was made a colonel. Yeah. Yeah, how? No, no, they would That's never. That's not how let it you, works. Surely, they would never let you back in the army if you got hanged. No, for surely, what would happen is like, oh wait, we failed to hang you. All right, someone fetch me a rifle because this dude is dying one way or another. <laughs> no. Right? Yeah. It's not like, oh, give this man some stripes. <laughs> he has earned his keep. Give him a command. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was. Um, we don't know what it was like back then. Maybe it was like the witch thing. Like if you survive the drowning, then. If you survive a hanging, you're definitely a warlock. <laughs> yeah, so we should give you the keys to the kingdom. We put you in charge of everything. Love it. Yeah. Love it. That's exactly what it should be like. <laughs> <laughs> How about we rate this? Let's. Ooh. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So. I'm just going to do my review now. This is the review part of the evening. So I'll start. Um, I went into this episode thinking it was going to be terrible. And I think me and Jim had even talked about it beforehand. Because it, it was the first time we haven't watched it together like while I'm writing notes in the corner. And he was like really sad at first. And then he remembered what episode it was. And he was like, ah, I don't care about that one. I'll just skip that one. So I kind of went into it thinking this is going to be a bit naff and a bit shit. And it is a bit naff and a bit shit. But <laughs> just, 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 just bloody loved it. I just thought it was so... <laughs> 
cute and quaint and like all the Britishisms and really fancy like oh just have a cup of tea and like conquer Mars I just really liked it it was very quaint and I've had such a fun evening talking about it with you guys and I'm sure we've said some terrible things I'm sure there are some terrible things in it definitely there are but most of me really enjoyed it so I'm gonna give it a a two-thirds yes uh, which equates to 3.3. I was trying to do the maths in my head there. <laughs> Is that right? I'm giving it a 3.3. I think so. Sure, yeah. 3.3, you say? Nice. Yeah. Because it was super fun. I really loved it. Good. Okay, yeah, solid. Drew, do you want to go next? Sure. The bright, shiny imperial uniforms of the British Army generate in me this strange atavistic pull of wanting to see mustachioed troops on Mars, painting the red planet itself red on Queen Victoria's newly expanding map of her imperial solar system. And so this episode promises much, but it doesn't fully deliver. I want to enjoy it a little bit more than I do, actually. But it is solid, and I did actually like it more the second time I watched it. It's fun enough. It's scary enough. The first five minutes are great. By the time you're five minutes in, you've and this is including the opening theme and the credits, you've had a fun cold open, you've had a great mystery set up, the team are already on Mars, Bill is already in trouble. But then you run into the problem of Doctor Who going underground, because once there, it seems very difficult to follow any other pattern than drilling for stuff, then a battle with an indigenous race, negotiations, and patchy resolution. I thought they should have involved the surface, get Iraxa up there to see for herself that the Martian civilization has entirely disappeared and is less than dust. Show her emotions as she mixes grief with anger with monarchical reserve. So, Mark Gatiss, it's clear he loves the Ice Warriors. He loves them too much to make them utterly ruthless villains. And it's nice to have actual respect for the foe for a change. But what it means is Friday turns good in a very similar way to Skaldak in Cold War, despite being the most bloodthirsty, killingest of all the legendary Ice Warriors which is yet another echo I didn't want. Here's a fact. The British Army once fought and won an entire war in less than 45 minutes. It was the Anglo-Zanzibar War of 1896. Basically, British naval cruisers fired on the Sultan of Zanzibar's palace until he surrendered. But that's fine, because he supported bringing back slavery. So we were on the side of good for once. Okay. Yeah. But what that meant was it was fascinating to see a similar complete mismatch of firepower, but with the Victorian world's superior fighting force on the receiving end. But then when it actually happened, it Mm. was kind of underwhelming. Cubic effects aside, because they were great. We talked about that. Um, I don't know. It's not great, but it needs to be taken on slightly different terms to other episodes of late, where they took on the world and enormous concepts of epistemology and ontology and mind and what have you. This is just supposed to be a tonic after those weighty themes. So how does it succeed as a lighthearted romp? There are good lines. I liked how when the Doctor heard about Killer Robots, he was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch Terminator. And Frozen is the one film he's already seen. And the psychic papers come up with some nonsense. And he said, that's Zones. And Bill says, 
convincing? <laughs> like, yeah, let's go with convincing. That's the best lie I've ever heard. The Ice Warrior is old, tired, and spent, and then catches a falling plate like a ninja. Mercy granted, they will die quickly. There are good enough lines. So I'm going to say this is miles better than Cold Blood, which because it didn't montage us through the tortuous negotiations with the reptilian indigenes. So yeah, I'm close to Marie. I'm going to give it a 2.9. 2.9 from Drew. Oh, oh I can't goodness. give it a three. I can't. But it was so much fun. There was a bit <laughs> romp. He used the word romp. <laughs> <laughs> it aspired to be a romp. It was oh, no. an uneven romp. I wanted to say one more thing that I forgot to say, but the thing, one other thing that was really cool is that it blended like the history Doctor Who's with the sci fi Doctor Who's. Because normally we get oh, the history yeah. things. Oh, and it's always yeah, like, oh, oh nice, Holmes. nice, yeah. It's it's King both Watts a chops. a sci-fi one and a pseudo historical one, but like even less pseudo. <laughs> yeah, nice. Oh, yeah. oh, I love that. Which we never get, so it's something quite different. So I did like that as well. I just feel like I. Was... <laughs> Yeah, no. Oh, we got that in Victoria, Victorian London with Deep Breath, Strax, Madame Vastra, and their detective. No, so we have nothing. It's always that. That's, that's just no, because they're always set in London. They're set in like historical. Victorian England. Exactly. This exactly. Set on an like on a different planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, okay. that's right. you're so right, Marie. Mm. This is perhaps a whole new string of Doctor Who mm-hmm. episodes, like a new subgenre, and we have yet to revisit it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. That's very good. <laughs> Holy moly. Okay, right. Marie, before we press record, you said add 0.5 to your rating. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to point out that I have subtracted 0.5 from my rating. Whoa! So, <laughs> but we'll get to that. So I'll bullet point this. In general, I think that this is really charming kitsch. I maintain the plot is a little flat. It doesn't make much sense or sense or rather it would, would make sense if the whole storyline as in like as of their arrival on Mars had been, let's say, two or three days ago, then it might have made sense. But at this point, it doesn't. No one's characterization makes any sense. And, and the military, you know, whatever. Yeah, we've already had this conversation. In general, though, it's very pleasant. I enjoy this episode. I will happily rewatch it. Doc, top form as usual. I look forward to learning more about him having been an honorary guard on the Tidonian High of the Tidonian Hive. I don't remember what that is. That'll be a classic Who thing, presumably, and I don't, I don't recognize it at the moment. Bill was fantastic as always. I can't believe that we have so few episodes left left of her. Mm. Oh, she's so good. She's so good. Mm. Nardole mm. and Missy, what a tease! <laughs> this episode clearly was not <laughs> intended to be an either a Nardole episode or a Missy episode so why even mention them? Let's just have Mm. Nardole have the week off maybe. Oh, Nardole's on holiday and then next week we'll bring in Missy through some contrivance but oh yeah, I'm not a huge fan of how it was dealt with here. Friday though, fantastic. I also have a little note or a little bullet point among my notes about him swinging around to catch that uh, plate or that uh, whatever it is, that saucer but to me that is crouching Tiger Hidden Friday. Uh, in um, in terms of production value, I guess production values are good. 
There aren't that many specific points to talk about, though. I mean, good cave sets, I suppose. Nice red uniforms, sure. Uh, however, excellent <laughs> diving suit. A very F9, spoiler alert. And you know what? The spacesuits at the... I guess not, not just at the end, but I didn't make a note of this until the very end. The spacesuits that the Doctor and Bill are wearing... They're gorgeous. They're like so much more Tesla than those orange ones that Tennant wore or Smith wore or, you know, or th- that pre-Capaldi Doctor gangs wore. Love them. The post-colonial reading of this episode of sort of Mars colonial values was, I thought, very tasteful. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't ham-fisted, but it was still very poignant. And last but not least, I think there was a very nice Classic Who reference just shoved in at the end with Alpha Centaur. Uh, the one-eyed trouser snake from outer space that's just like, yay, hey, join the Federation. Um, It turns out this is how easy it is to join Space UN. I love it. The reason I'm removing 0.5 off my rating is that if I were to add 0.5 to my rating, Marie, then I would (laughs) give this a 4. But I can't. (gasps) And both... And both of you have in, not just over the course of this evening, but in projecting your perfect reviews, your, your, your perfect minis, you have managed to talk me down. And thus I am subtracting 0.5 and I am giving this a 3.0. Because no. what I had originally written was 3.5. So. Did he not hear all the positive things I listed at the end there? Yep, they were great. Wanna, 3.0. Jump, I'm jumping back in. I'm jumping back in now because I feel like I, did, I wasn't very articulate. And I was just like, it's so much fun. I love it. But... To address your <laughs> both of your points about yes, we've got underground, yeah, we we've seen some before, yada yada yada. But when when we were underground before, uh, in the hungry earth or whatever it was, and they were like, you know, you could be a representative of Earth and you can negotiate on behalf of all of humanity, and it's so bullshit. It's not how <laughs> things work, and they always <laughs> lean on that, and it's nonsense. Whereas this time round. It's more realistic. It's an army. It's a team who are like, they're not there representing Earth. They're just like, we want to loot you <laughs> and survive. And it's so much more like realistic. And I love it. And yeah, so don't say, oh, we've seen this before because we saw it before in a worse way. So I think this deserves more points. That's that. that's a fair point. And mm. uh, I would like to, at this point, say that uh, I am still giving this 0.1 more than you are, Drew. It's true, Marie. <laughs> I'm giving this less than you are giving it. I was going to give it more than you are giving it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. 3.0 is still a good rating. No, it is. It is a good rating. And it is, to be fair, it is a really shitty episode, I think. <laughs> I, was, I think I was just in a really good mood today and I just wanted to enjoy it. Oh, um, I, I, I love it. I'm absolutely certain it's an episode that depends entirely on your mood when you watch it. Because last night I watched it when yeah. I was really tired and I had no time for it at all. And today I was mm-hmm. awake and I was like, oh, I'm bouncing along with this. Yeah. This is okay. I, know, I can forgive I, the shitness. I know 100%. I could watch this on another day and just be like, this is too cheesy. This is too tacky. I hate it all. I'm going to give it a one point something. Like, I know that I would be in the mood to do that another day. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I stand by my rating. Nice. I, but, yeah. Uh, I'm very interested to see what Podcast Line has to say, though. Ooh. Oh, me too. Well, mm. why don't we check that out then? Let's do it. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max to 
50 or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron! And welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast episode. Holy moly, podcast land. Have we got a treat in store for your earballs? Because tonight we have not one, not two, not three, just kidding. We have three <laughs> minis for this episode. <laughs> Holy moly, who's first out the gate? peeps well speeding ahead in his electric van it's kieran evans (laughs) what up kieran (laughs) he uses superior acceleration to get to the front of the queue (laughs) hi kieran kieran starts hi folks right it's mark gators time let's spin the wheel and see what sort of gators we are getting this week spin and the answer is mediocre oh (gasps) oh no the British Army claiming Mars for the Empire, other than a flag shagger's wet dream. It is rather <laughs> striking imagery, I suppose. And as it's a Gatiss script, there's a ton of references. Bill referring to the Ice Warriors as being like Vikings directly leads back to 1967's The Ice Warriors, as does Catchlove calling them upright crocodiles. And, Bingo. of course, the Alpha Centauri cameo of the Heladon stories. Fortunately, we don't see too much of it, unlike the 70s stories, so no dick jokes. What a pity. (laughs) I don't know, continues Kieran. It's all right, I suppose, but just feels a little dull. Like the plot and character motivations feel familiar. Hell, the Silurian stories in Series 7 and Series 5 effectively do the same plot, and threatening to trap the Ice Warrior army under ice forever is straight out of Planet of the Daleks. Oh, yeah. Just a bit meh from me, concludes Kieran. Still, Doc and Bill were good. Shame there wasn't more Nardole. And Kieran gives this an absolutely exquisite, perfect, spot-on <laughs> rating of 3.0 out of 5. <laughs> Bravo, Kieran. Bravo. Thank you very much for sending this in. People who are not Kieran are presumably able to communicate to Kieran how accurate Kieran's rating was. Am I right in saying that? (laughs) Uh, Marie, where can people find (laughs) Kieran online? Well, if I was a person who wanted to find Kieran online, I'd probably go to KJ Evans 2. On On the Tweety Flaps. On Twitter, (laughs) that would be, yes. Thanks, Kieran. (laughs) Love you, Kieran. Who's next? It's Michael. Rich way. Rich way. That it is. What a guy. <laughs> what Hello, a Michael. Let him colonize in... me any day of the week. Michael begins, as ever, with some marvelous likes. Uh, and what he does like is those weapons. Oh, my goodness. That's freaking horrible. You're correct, Michael. It is horrible. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Which is why he's promoted it to his... Prime like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so bad it's good. <laughs> Michael's second like is Ye Oldie Ice Warrior Leader Helmet. That's, yes, exactly. Bingo Bongo. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, next like, Ye Oldie Big Eye Thing from the Pertwee era. That would be the uh, one eyed trouser snake, I believe. Nice. Mm-hmm. And his final like is Missy. She is so, so, so good. So good. But Michael, being an even-handed guy, balances out his likes with some... Beefs. First, beef. 
What would be nice is some ice warriors that don't turn cute and cuddly in the finale. In Seeds of Death, they are real meanies. Nasty ice warriors next time, please. Mm. Next, boof. Heartstring music every time Mr. Nooseface starts yapping. We get it, music people. He's got a sad tail. <laughs> and how long have they spent moving those boulders? That would take friggin' weeks. Yeah, for what? For no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, good thing in galactic terms, Alpha Centauri is famously far away. <laughs> and Michael's final booth is the irritating film references. I yeah. didn't get the Frozen joke first time around because I hadn't seen it. Now, I have seen Frozen so many times that it has replaced my actual memories of my wedding <laughs> and the birth of my children. <laughs> Michael, you don't. Michael, I was one of those. You don't know. You don't have to watch it all the time. Once is enough. Why does he watch it so often if he doesn't like? I'm reliably informed that this is exactly what happens to anyone who has kids below a certain age. Yeah, it's kidnap. They want it on repeat over and over and over again. Exactly. I see. You get to the end. Go back to the beginning. More frozen, please. Gross. Gross. The lesson to learn from this is. Don't have children, folks. Or if you do, deprive them of Frozen. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) In summary, says Michael, pretty bog-standard stuff. But hey, Victorian Imperial dudes on Mars, Ice Warriors kicking bottom, and those guns? And he gives this a rating of what? It's a fantastic, very generous rating of a four out of five of Her Majesty's Finest being imploded into footballs. Horrific. More please. <laughs> oh, Michael, I love you so freaking much. Oh, excellent. Fantastic mini, Michael. Oh, people who are not Michael, my condolences. Fret not, <laughs> you can follow Michael on Twitter. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. <laughs> That's right. No That's at underscore. bad underscore movie underscore club. That's right. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Holy moly, so, so big. Imperial-sized. You wait till you hear the next review, Drew. Oh, I can't wait. Who's it from? You just wait. It's from Eddie. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Hello, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) Eddie says, hey, who back when? It's your second favourite geologically named listener after... Ridgeway, of course, so big. Oh, wow. (laughs) What a legend, Eddie. Well done. Absolutely. Eddie is a big fan of the Ice Warriors, so this episode already gets bonus points from him for their inclusion. It did a wonderful job of remaining true to the spirit of the race, whose canon goes back decades. It definitely has that Monster of the Week feel to it, but is a fun romp nonetheless. I'm getting this review in somewhat last minute, so I'll keep it brief. Eddie continues. The guest stars have done very well in this. The quote-unquote villain of the episode is somewhat basic, but manages to make you really want to slap that mustache off his face. (laughs) (laughs) It also makes you sympathize with the commander despite his flaws. And the Empress is believable as a dangerous force while remaining honorable and even likable by the end. The psychic paper making an appearance always makes me happy. The doctor saying I can never resist a countdown immediately made me think of Drew. 
Also, shouldn't the Sonic have a wood setting after the events of the 50th anniversary episode? I did, however, geek out quite a bit at the cameo by Alpha Centauri at the end, especially considering her already established link to the Ice Warriors. Nice. Very nerdy Eddie Rock. And overall, very nerdy Eddie Rock gives this episode 3.6 out of 5 promises to keep this brief thrown out the window. Till next time, rock on! (laughs) No, you rock on, Eddie Rock, because you, Eddie Rock, rock. Nice one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for sending that in. Uh, People who are not Eddie Rock can follow Eddie Rock on uh, the tweets. Eddie Rock can be found at the Eddie Rock. Rock! (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Thank you very much, Eddie. Uh, And thank you very much, everyone who sent something in for this episode. Very, very good stuff. Holy moly, some big hearts here. That does conclude our Empress of Mars, or possibly Queen of Mars, soiree, but (laughs) that is not the end of Doctor Who. There is plenty more Doctor Who coming up. Next up, we're going to have a classic Who review, namely Enlightenment, after which, Marie, I believe we're going to be back in New Who with uh, what? The Eaters of Light. That's right. After which... There's a whole Feast of Light entertainment (laughs) planned. Oh, boom, After which, at some point, (laughs) we will, maybe not immediately afterwards, but at some point in the very near future, we will be uh, regaling you with a bonus episode, namely featuring what, Drew? An audio adventure, original to Who Back When. That's right. Not the one some of you may have sent in recordings for. Another one. Because that's how prolific we are. Mm. Holy moly. Uh, I've had an absolute blast and a half and then some. Tonight has been absolutely crazy bananas. Please do say hello to us if you fancy it, Podcast Land. Peeps, where can people find you? Marie, are you on Twitter? No, I'm not. Are you on TikTok? (laughs) Not currently. This could take a while. Ask her what she is. Are you on the gram? That's the one. Nice. <sighs> Where can people find you on the gram? Why, you can find me at Hamash and Jelly. Wow, those are three of my favorite things. <laughs> Very nice. Excellent. Drew? You can find me on the Twitter box at Drew Back When. Mm, excellent branding. And people can find me on Twitter as well. I am at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-N. High five me. I will high five you right back. Thank you very much for listening. You have been an absolutely lovely audience. I'm super duper looking forward to the next one. Holy moly. Thanks so much for listening. You've been a lovely, a lovely audience. Until the next time, rock on. Be rad and excellent to each other. And cha-chao. Bye-bye. Toodles. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha-chao. 
Punta Cuen.